Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. For over 175 years, four purposes have defined Hillsdale's mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to our brothers and sisters at Hillsdale for their great sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Number 877-381-3811, New York Times, Siena College National Poll. A majority of Democrats said they believe America is not the best country in the world. This poll was just released. Not the best country in the world. You think I'm kidding when I say the Democrat Party is un-American? The New York Times Siena College National Poll finds that only 37% of Democrats agree with the statement that America is the greatest country in the world. She said 55% of Democrats endorse the statement that America is a great country but not the greatest. Another 7% said the U.S. is not a great country, with the remainder having no opinion. By comparison, 69% of Republicans said the U.S. was the greatest country in the world. Another 24% said it's great, but not the greatest. 5% said America is not a great country, with the remaining 2% having no opinion. 47% of registered independents said America is the greatest country. 45% said it's great, but not the greatest. guess that's why they're independents. They're confused. Veteran pollster Doug Schoen, who worked for former President Bill Clinton and ex-three-term mayor Mike Bloomberg, said he wasn't surprised. Neither am I. He said there used to be bipartisan consensus that America was a unique, special, exceptional nation. That's gone. Republicans do believe in American exceptionalism. The Democrats do not accept American exceptionalism. Got that? 
There were disparities by race, region, age, education. 54% of white respondents overall said America is the greatest country. 33% of black voters who heavily identify with Democrats. A majority of Midwesterners, 56%, and Southerners, 53%, America was the greatest. 38% of Northeasterners, 47% of Westerners. Mm -hmm. Two-thirds of voters, ages 65 and over, were the most patriotic. Two-thirds saying America was the greatest, compared to just 30% of voters aged 18 to 29. The least educated Americans were the most jingoistic, as they write. 59% with a high school degree or less said the U.S. was the greatest, compared to 42% of college graduates. More Democrats had a favorable view of socialism, 53%, than capitalism, 44%. 66% of Republicans had a favorable view of capitalism. 86% of them opposed socialism. And that poll says uh, midterm elections are 46% support Democrats, 44% support Republicans. As for issues, voters struggling with record inflation, eating at their pocketbooks, favor Republicans over Democrats, 52 to uh, 38%, 52 to 38%. Republicans may also be buoyed by voters saying 49 to 31 percent economic issues are more important in determining their vote for Congress. So economic issues by far the number one issue. And voters believe the Republicans would do a better job than the Democrats. A plurality of Democrats say social issues are more important. A majority of Republicans and independents say economic issues. On the hot-button issue of teaching about sex education and LGBTQ issues, and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is on to something. The survey found that 70% of voters oppose teaching sex ed and LGBTQ issues in elementary school, while 40, 54% oppose teaching about sex and gender issues in middle school. High school, 56% said teaching about sex and LGBT orientation was appropriate. Now, DeSantis, a Republican running for re-election, considered a potential White House aspirant in 2024. Obviously enraged those forces. But the vast majority of Americans support his position. Voters opposed the recent Supreme Court ruling overturning Roe v. Wade, 62 to 30. 62 percent say abortion should be always or mostly legal. 31 percent say mostly or always illegal. They never ask the question that needs to be asked. That's fine, but what do you believe of the Democrat Party's official position? Abortion at any time. And what you would find, of course, what you would find is... The vast majority of Americans do not believe abortion in the last few weeks or few months or a few seconds before birth. Now, there is a little problem with this. New York Times Siena College survey surveyed 1,399 registered voters nationwide. 
the best polls are of likely voters, not registered voters, because all registered voters don't vote. And so likely voters are harder to find. It's a tougher poll, but it tends to be more accurate, of course. But I don't dispute that a majority of Democrats say the United States is not the world's greatest country. And by the way, notice a majority of elderly Democrats do. It is much younger Democrats and Democrats in the subsequent generation. And this is because of, and they also noticed they talked about college graduates. And this is because of the indoctrination that our colleges and universities, through these tenured Marxists and reprobates, uh, are, are using these classrooms to brainwash our children. And now they're doing it in elementary schools and middle schools. To hate the country. To hate the country. So there is a huge difference between Democrats and Republicans in this country. Huge. There is a huge difference. And if you don't believe America is the greatest country ever established, then which country is it? Which country is it? And so this gives them, you see, in their minds, the moral authority to destroy America. Because it's not the greatest country. Oh, it's a great country among many great countries. Remember when Barack Obama said something to that effect? Remember that? I remember that. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Folks, back in the good old days, we Americans argued about which policies to pursue to improve the country we love. Too often today, we find ourselves arguing about whether our country is great or not, about whether we should love America or be ashamed of it. The reason for this is simple. For too many years, too many of our schools have been neglecting to teach young Americans about America's great heritage of liberty presenting them instead with dishonest narratives of America as fundamentally unjust and racist. Hillsdale College is weighing in for America by offering free online courses such as The Great American Story, A Land of Hope, and Constitution 101, The Meaning and History of the Constitution. I encourage all of you to enroll in one of these wonderful free courses from Hillsdale. Begin your free Hillsdale College course today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's Levin, L-E-V-I-N, for Hillsdale.com. Every one of these Senate races, where Mitch McConnell and his boys said we have terrible candidates, are as tight as can be. Herschel Walker now is a slight lead over his communist opponent. Ron Johnson has a slight lead over his communist opponent. In Pennsylvania, it's almost neck and neck. Dr. Oz has a slight, slightly behind his communist opponent. In the case of the Republican nominee in uh, Arizona, Blake Masters, it's very close now. So I wanted to call in the number one biographer and expert on Ronald Reagan, my buddy Craig Shirley. Craig, how are you, brother? 
Mark. How are you? I'm doing very well. I want you to remind us. I know there's been misinformation about this, but still, in 1980, I believe it was August 1980, it wasn't seen, Reagan wasn't seen as a shoe-in to slaughter Jimmy Carter, was he? Not at all. Not at all. It was not until very late in the campaign did it break open, really after the uh, debate, did it did it break open open for Reagan for that one week? But uh, up until uh, up until the last week of the election, it was it was a, it was a, it was, a, it was a coin toss between uh, Carter and, and in fact the Washington Post uh, <laughs> criminal outlet that they are proved mm-hmm. a poll um, a, a poll in the last couple of days of the campaign having Carter, uh, showing Carter uh, ahead of Reagan. Of course, nobody believed it because it was a fraudulent poll. So, but during September, I mean, seven weeks out, or 49 days, is that seven weeks close enough? Seven weeks, yeah, yeah it is, exactly. Seven weeks out. I mean, it wasn't like, oh, Reagan's going to have this landslide, or it was the Democrats have a real shot at this thing. Yeah, and, the Democrats, uh, yeah. yeah, nobody, nobody thought Reagan was going to win in a landslide. Everybody was 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 shocked. Everybody was shocked. Mm-hmm. So tonight, when we hear people talking about the Democrats are tightening with the Republicans and so forth, and yet when I look at these individual races in these individual states, Georgia, Pennsylvania, I look at. Uh, uh, Ohio, I look at Arizona, these candidates have really tightened it up, these Republicans, many of whom were written off. No, I agree. I agree. This is going to be, uh, it's it's not going to be a red wave. It's going to be an Old Testament, uh, uh, you know, a pestilence going through the town and killing everybody who is, not killing, but uh, destroy, destroying everybody Political. who is Democrat, uh, who's a Democrat in the town, if they don't have lamb's blood painted over the lintel, mm-hmm. it's going to be. It's not going to be. It's not going to be a tsunami uh, because tsunami suggests it wipes out everything. It's going to be a selective uh, dismemberment. Uh, but but you know, while we're talking about it, it bothers me, uh, Mark. The Republican Party to me doesn't seem to have their act together, which is mm-hmm. no surprise. They always mm-hmm. uh, they seem to be spending more on. More, more effort and more money and more time on personal PR than on or, than on organizing a, a a message like a contract with America doesn't have to be a contract with America and call it something else. But you know, why aren't they all rallying around uh, stopping spending, tax cuts, uh, corruption, things like that? I mean, for the border, parents' rights. You know, the things that, that are making people mad, things that they want them addressed. And they're, they're talking about themselves instead of talking about the rights of the, the voters and the rights of the parents. Uh, stay tuned, my brother, to my Sunday show. You're going to see something big. But I will tell you in the Senate, uh, whether one likes Rick Scott or not or thinks his list is good or not, Mitch McConnell does not run races this way. He runs races like he's playing defense all the time, even though when they should be on offense. They should be on offense, complete offense. And, 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 but Craig, he puts down he puts down his own candidates. Yeah, I know. That's so that's so mind. It's boggling. Why would you attack your own party? Why would you attack your own candidates? 
You're supposed to help them, not undermine them, not undercut them. You say, well, we have some bad candidates this year. You know, you don't say that. You say they have bad candidates this year. And they I mean, do. They have this guy in Pennsylvania. Yeah, exactly. Jesus. Or how about the guy in Georgia who's another left wing kook nut? And how about the guy in Arizona? He doesn't even show up. You don't even know his name. He was an astronaut. OK, great. And how about the guy in uh, in Ohio who's a complete fraud pretending he's a moderate when he has his yes. head so far up Pelosi's butt? It's not even funny. Yeah. I mean, what, what they should be out the, there. The concept of permanent offense. You know, remember, Newt was uh, back in 94, he, he, back in 93 and 94, he talked about permanent offense. I don't get the the uh, the, the Republicans. I don't get McConnell. I don't get this woman who's uh, head of the RNC. You know, it's all it seems to be more about personal PR than it is communicating a message, unifying a party so that it stands for one thing to all people. That's what Reagan did. That's what Reagan did in 1980, and which escapes everybody else, Mark. I, I know you know you were there. And I was there. I'm not, I don't want to date, date myself. But Reagan ran a campaign, an ideological campaign, in which he stood for one thing to all people. The party stood. You know, Bob Dole, God bless his soul, God bless his soul, he did something rather brilliant in 1980. He kept introducing legislation uh, that was about tax cuts, about defense spending, about this, that, the other thing. Now, he knew they would lose in the Senate, but it would force the Democrats to go on record as being against tax cuts, to being against spending cuts, to being against defense spending, all these things. So he kept forcing it right in harmony with Reagan's message. And it was, it was a beautiful thing to do because it, it, it boxed in the Democrats into voting things that they didn't want to vote for. You, and now, what exactly, why, why isn't why isn't uh, McConnell doing th- stuff like that? Why isn't McCarthy doing stuff like that? Yeah, and 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 when it comes to McConnell, at least anybody who dares to take a strong position on a conservative position, he's either silent or he undermines them, and he's always working behind the scenes with his special interest money. Is he not? Yes, yes, he is. I, I. I I see nothing tactical or strategic in Mitch McConnell's thinking at all. Nothing about unifying the party, nothing about organizing the campaign, nothing about going on permanent offense. I mean, talk about, uh, you know, a target-rich environment. Look at this administration. This is one of the... I just wrote an op-ed recently. We're going to have to run. We're going to have to run. Send me the op-ed. I'll post it. One of the greats there, folks, Craig Shirley. Keep your chin up. Folks, back in the good old days, we Americans argued about which policies to pursue to improve the country we love. Too often today, we find ourselves arguing about whether our country is great or not, about whether we should love America or be ashamed of it. The reason for this is simple. For too many years, too many of our schools have been neglecting to teach young Americans about America's great heritage of liberty, presenting them instead with dishonest narratives of America as fundamentally unjust and racist. Hillsdale College is weighing in for America by offering free online courses such as The Great American Story, A Land of Hope, and Constitution 101, The Meaning and History of the Constitution. 
I encourage all of you to enroll in one of these wonderful free courses from Hillsdale. Begin your free Hillsdale College course today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's Levin, L-E-V-I-N, for Hillsdale.com. Nobody says it better than Mark Levin. I'll go with what Mark Levin said, because nobody could say it better. Call in now at 877-381-3811. So my point, and Craig Shelley's point is, Reagan had a massive landslide in 1980. It was massive. Only to be outdone in 1984. But Carter only won 49 electoral college votes. That was it. Reagan won the rest. 49 for Carter. Nobody saw it coming until about three or four days before the election. And as Craig points out, subsequent to their debate. These Senate races, which were written off about four weeks ago by the Republican leader in the Senate, which is so outrageous, so pathetic. Whether it's Oz in Pennsylvania, look, I don't know ultimately how they'll turn out. I'm just making a point. Oz in Pennsylvania. By the way, abortion in Pennsylvania is not a really hot-to-trot issue. Pennsylvania is very split over this. I grew up in Pennsylvania. It's three or four different states in one. But there's a lot of European ethnic people. That's their ancestry. Irish, German, Italian, Polish, um, as well as others, obviously. But in that particular group of ancestries, who are not all hot to trot on abortion. There's a very significant Catholic presence in that state, traditional Catholic presence, particularly in the central part of the state, as well as parts of the western part of the state, and areas of the eastern, but the eastern and southeastern in particular, it's much more liberal. But the whole state is not Philadelphia, or the Philadelphia suburbs. And so that issue is not as hot as it might be in some other states. It sort of cuts both ways. But all that aside, I can assure you if we had honest polling and honest media, And if Oz had the money that Fetterman has, it would become abundantly clear that Pennsylvanians, by a huge majority, oppose partial birth abortion on demand. Most Americans do. So you see the race in Pennsylvania getting tight. The race in Georgia, as of now, as of now, Herschel Walker has a slight lead. Obviously, it could dissipate. I'm just making a point. Remember, he was written off. Masters. Blake Masters in Arizona. Neck and neck now. J.D. Vance in Ohio. Slight lead over the fraud. Tim Ryan. And we can go on and on, but my point to you is this. Keep your chin up. Keep fighting. Don't give up. Think about those issues that are most important to you. Inflation's going to get worse. Food prices are going to get worse. Food availability is going to get worse under this president. Your classrooms, you got to take them back. The teachers union are a wholly owned subsidiary of the Democrat Party and vice versa. These things are not going to change. They're going to get worse under the Democrats. You heard that poll. 
where a majority of Democrats don't think America is the greatest country on the face of the earth. And I bet you if you polled the teachers' union, minus the Republicans in that union, the Democrats, it'd be 90-95%. That is, if you polled the Democrat Party base, and just the base, if you polled the Democrat Party base, be 90-95% who don't think America is the greatest country on the earth. In fact, a significant percentage would hate America. Would hate America. Now, we invited uh, Mr. Newsom on to debate, did we not, Mr. Producer? We never heard back. Because he's a gutless wonder. Who else did we invite on this show? I forget. The sheriff from Bear County, spelled Bexar County, but Bear County, Texas. He never got back. All these tough guys. What's wrong, Sheriff? All of a sudden, you're a weasel. What's wrong, Gavin, with that girly figure? All of a sudden, you're a weasel. The guy's a media whore. I'm more than happy to debate him. Give him a platform they're not otherwise going to get with millions and millions of people, including Californians. Here we have from Hot Air, Gavin Newsom, kidnapper and human trafficker. I go, whoa, by David Strong. Democrats have gone headbangingly insane over Ron DeSantis's brilliant and compassionate plan to relocate undocumented migrants to locations yearning to help them breathe free. Turns out that we believe that no human being is a legal crowd also believes that these non-illegal human beings should sleep under bridges in El Paso rather than in hotel rooms in Martha's Vineyard. And again, I ask, where are the Obamas? I'm quite serious about this. They have a huge mansion. They have like 15 bathrooms in there and 10 bedrooms. Where the hell are they? Busy building walls to keep the ocean out of their property. Oh, yeah. As soon as they showed up, a state of emergency was called, and the military mobilized to round up the inconvenient brown people. They were shipped off to a military base where no doubt AOC will be photographed crying for their plight. You'd think that they would rally around him for his offering free transportation to sanctuaries for migrants. But apparently they don't see it quite like I do, he writes. DeSantis has been compared to Adolf Eichmann. And Gavin Newsom has called on the Justice Department to investigate him for human trafficking. Newsom thinks he can go toe-to-toe with DeSantis in political warfare, but he's proving himself to be more Gomer Pyle than Navy SEAL. Surprise, surprise. Newsom thought he dropped a political bomb on DeSantis with his human trafficking attack, and to be sure it resonated with the radical left base to whom he's appealing. They'd been floundering around looking for an angle that hurts DeSantis, but allowed them to cry crocodile tears of compassion for the poor illegal aliens. Human trafficking accusations seem perfect. But oops, I said oops. Turns out that if the comparison is apt, Newsom engaged in a bit of human trafficking while mayor of San Francisco. Hello? Maggot Haberman? Where are you? Philly Bump? Sarah Rump? The whole gaggle of corrupt media types. Where are you? Mediaite, a.k.a. Sleazite, which is just another Media Matters. If I were Media Matters, I'd be concerned about that. 
Newsom instituted a program that shipped homeless San Franciscans around the country to get them out of the city. You got that? He didn't rent buses or charter flights as evil DeSantis and Abbott have. He compassionately bought bus tickets before giving homeless folks a swift kick in the butt. I'm reading this. If busing people out of your state is kidnapping, when are you going to be charged? It's been 14 years since then-Mayor Gavin Newsom initiated a program called Homeward Bound, a flattering and uplifting name for a program that gives unsheltered San Franciscans a one-way Greyhound bus ticket out of town and asks them to please never come back. Hmm. Homeward Bound was a Newsom initiative that was discontinued just this year in San Francisco, though it appears to have been folded into other programs. Its goal is supposedly to help people get out of homelessness by reconnecting them with families and friends somewhere far, far away from the city of San Francisco. Sometimes it works just as often, just as often it dumps the homeless elsewhere. The data highlight a conundrum for San Francisco. As rents rise and the homeless population swells, it's much cheaper to give someone a bus ticket rather than try to house them here. But when they leave, how responsible is the city for making sure they find stability at the other end of their journey? In the city's biennial homeless count, San Francisco officials categorize all homeward-bound clients as having exited homelessness, regardless of whether they did. City officials, including the mayor, that would be Newsom at the time, and head of the homelessness department also, also often tout homeland-bound as a success on par with other programs that place people into housing, such as permanent supportive housing and rental assistance. From 2013 to 2018, San Francisco says it helped over 11,000 people, quote, exit homelessness, unquote, according to the city data. Little more than half of those people were connected with permanent supportive housing or rapid rehousing, a federal rental assistance program. The other half, well... They were boarded on a Greyhound bus and sent out of the city. And by any serious measure, Homeward Bound has been a total failure. Like any Gavin Newsom project, appears to be a new, shiny, progressive, compassionate program that promises sunshine and daisies and children running free in the meadows. In reality, that is all show and no dough. It goes on. In the 14 years since the city created the Homeward Bound program under then-Mayor Gavin Newsom, San Francisco's homeless crisis has indisputably worsened. San Francisco's homeless population grew by an estimated 17% over the past two years, despite the city building supportive housing and spending more than $285 million annually on the Department of Homelessness. And $1.2 million of that funding is spent on Homeward Bound each year. Of course, Homeward Bound isn't Homeward at all. It's, let's get rid of these people. The average bus ticket, $10 per diem given to someone for their journey, costs the city about 270 per person. But that's far less than it would cost to shelter or house them. Clearly, this program isn't about helping homeless people. It's about assuaging the consciousness of the lefties who feel bad about stepping over sleeping addicts and stepping around piles of human excrement. It harshes their buzz, man. It stepped in poop while drinking my latte. 
Newsom isn't alone in shipping their homeless U.S. citizens somewhere else. Mayor Bill de Blasio did exactly the same thing more recently. And I want to cover that. Lock him up! Lock him up! Lock Newsom up! And next, New York! de Blasio, a.k.a. DeCamio. I'll be right back. Mark in. Folks, back in the good old days, we Americans argued about which policies to pursue to improve the country we love. Too often today, we find ourselves arguing about whether our country is great or not, about whether we should love America or be ashamed of it. The reason for this is simple. For too many years, too many of our schools have been neglecting to teach young Americans about America's great heritage of liberty presenting them instead with dishonest narratives of America as fundamentally unjust and racist. Hillsdale College is weighing in for America by offering free online courses such as The Great American Story, A Land of Hope, and Constitution 101, The Meaning and History of the Constitution. I encourage all of you to enroll in one of these wonderful free courses from Hillsdale. Begin your free Hillsdale College course today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's Levin, L-E-V-I-N, for Hillsdale.com. Well, it's time to round up, round them up, Bill de Blasio, while we're rounding up Democrat mayors and governors who apparently have been kidnapping aliens. New York Post, a couple years ago, New York City generously shares its homeless crises with every other corner of America. From the tropical shores of Honolulu and Puerto Rico to the badlands of Utah and backwaters of Louisiana, the Big Apple has sent local homeless families to 373 cities across the country with a full year of rent in their pockets as part of Mayor Bill de Blasio's special one-time assistance program. Usually the receiving city knows nothing about it. Well, I'm sure all these sleazeballs on CNN and MSNBC all the racists and bigots. Yes, I'm talking about you, Joe, Sonny, Jake. I'm sure you'll get on top of this tomorrow now that you've heard me say it. Short version, if a Republican does it, then he's a Nazi. If a Democrat does it, then we must marvel at his compassion. Blasio, Newsom. Blasio and Newsom. They need to be rounded up. They need to be invested by local Republicans. Investigated. Charged. We don't know what the law is yet. To quote the genius sheriff in Bear County, Texas. We don't know. But we're looking for something. We take our cue from the Federal Bureau of Instigation and Meritless Garland and those creeps. Yes. Gavin Newsom. The cameo, kidnappers and human traffickers. Kidnappers and human traffickers. As the great Paul Harvey would say, now you know the rest of the story. And we'll be sure to post this article from Hot Air, from David Strom, September 18, 2022, on marklevinshow.com. In fact, let us put it on our website, 
excuse me, let us put it on all our social sites, Mr. Producer, under the heading. Gavin Newsom and, uh, let's see, de Blasio, kidnappers and human traffickers. Is that all right? We don't want to forget them. And, uh, and again, Newsom does not want to debate me. And this is why, of course. This is why, of course. Debating him? Are you kidding, ladies and gentlemen? I used to debate the greatest minds in the country. Being one myself, of course. But I used to. And we can't get him anymore. Years and years ago, I debated Dershowitz. Then he wouldn't debate me anymore. Johnny Cochran I debated, and unfortunately, he passed away. Not because of the debate. He had some kind of whatever happened. I used to debate them all. All of them. Newsom. It's like going back to middle school to debate him. Come on. I'll be even nice to you. I won't mock you, Gavin. I won't mock you at all. Come on the program. Let's debate, please. I'll be right back. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. Hello, 877-381-3811. So we established that Gavin Newsom and Bill de Blasio were kidnappers. Did we not, Mr. Producer? And human traffickers. That they bust migrants from their cities all over the country. They didn't do what DeSantis did in a humane way, gave them pamphlets, information about where they can go and who they can contact in Massachusetts, get consent waivers and all the rest. Maybe they did. I don't know. None of them were under investigation. None of this was highlighted by the New York Slimes, the Washington Compost, or the rest of the corrupt Marxist media. None of it. None of it will be reported tomorrow morning on MSLSD or CNN, despite the fact that they hear me saying this right now. Joe Scarborough. We'll do whatever the missus tells him to do. And besides, he's dumber than a doorknob. Over at CNN, they've shaken it up there. But the IQs in that DNA pool remain as low as ever before. America's governor, Ron DeSantis, at a press conference today, cut seven, go. Biden is flying these people all over the fruited plain in the middle of the night. I didn't hear a peep out of those people, okay? I didn't hear a peep. I haven't heard a peep about all the people 
that have been told by Biden you can just come in and they're going, they're being abused by the cartels, they're drowning in the Rio Grande. You had 50 that died in some shed in Texas. I heard no outrage about any of that. Uh, I haven't heard outrage about all the fentanyl that's come across the border that's killing Americans in record numbers. I don't hear... I don't hear outrage about the criminal aliens that have gotten through and have then victimized people, not only in Florida, but all throughout the country. I didn't hear any outrage about that. The only thing I hear them getting upset about is you have 50 that end up in Martha's Vineyard. Then they get really upset. Now, the media are lining an airport near Rehoboth Beach. Because word has it that Ron DeSantis... Maybe Abbott are sending illegal aliens to Rehoboth Beach. This is something, as you know, publicly, I've been urging. I've been urging. Why shouldn't they enjoy the same ocean, the same bike paths, the same ice cream cones as the zombie president? Peter Ducey asked Biden about this. Cut six, go. Comment or response to that, sir? He should come visit. We have a beautiful shoreline. He should come visit. We have a beautiful shoreline. I want to ask seriously, MSNBC and CNN, and I want to ask CBS and ABC and NBC, and I want to ask the New York Times and the Washington Post, why aren't you down on the southern border reporting about the rapes? reporting about the drugs, reporting about the separation of parents from children? Why aren't you talking about and reporting about the sex trafficking? The deaths? The drug cartels? Why not? Why aren't you going going down there and reporting? And you know what's interesting, Mr. Producer? Rush Limbaugh used to talk about an echo chamber... And what he meant by that was he would say things and then a day or two later they would essentially be repeated by others in TV and radio. Now Rush Limbaugh was one of my big buddies. I see that happening with me, don't you Mr. Producer? And it's happening a lot. And he used to tell me, well you know it's flattering. I said, it's not flattering, it's plagiarism. He said, but there's nothing you can do about it. Rush worked very hard at his job. I worked very hard at mine. Mr. Producer, do you write anything for me? Open the microphone. Do you write anything? Do I have writers? Nope. Does anybody write my opening statements or my commentary? Anybody? Nope, right from your head. And if we had Mr. TV producer here, whether it be Levin TV or Life, Liberty, and Levin. I don't use teleprompters. I write little notes to myself from time to time. I don't have writers. All these other hosts do. I don't. So, yeah, I find it annoying, but even my wife says, what are you going to do about it? Just Okay. But I've been pointing out now 
that whomever the Republicans eventually rally around, President Trump, Ron DeSantis, Cruz, Cotton, just down the list, they're going to go after them. The Democrats are going to go after them with guns blazing. Others are now regurgitating this, but you need to keep that in mind. Again, when people say, look, I like Trump, but I like DeSantis, but there is no but. Even the nebbish Romney, they went after Romney and he's a nebbish. He really didn't offend them, but they had to create stuff like, do you know he had a list of women candidates? Yeah, so for jobs? Yeah. Do you know when he was in college or whatever, he put a dog in a... Uh, hold on a second. That's what they do. And they're going to keep doing it. Hakeem Jeffries one day wants to be the Speaker of the House. He's a radical moron. But then again, most of them on the Democrat side are. And he held a press conference today. And of course, the media covered it. Why? Because he's a Democrat attacking a Republican. That makes it news. Cut eight, go. Well, the behavior of individuals like Ron DeSantis and Greg Abbott is radical, reckless, regressive, and reprehensible. Oh, the four R's. He got all the four R's in there. Radical, reckless, regressive, and reprehensible. And Biden? Remarkable? Help me. What else? (laughs) Go ahead. Start behaving like governors and stop behaving like human traffickers. Oh, human traffickers. They remember a phrase, human traffickers. And so they repeat the big lie like propagandists do. Human traffickers. Really? What about the real human traffickers on the border? They don't care. What about the crime on the board? They do not care. The biggest human trafficker in the world is Joe Biden. He's the biggest human trafficker in the world by the millions. Millions. People suffering. Now, I can tell you, ladies and gentlemen, you vote Democrat, you're going to get more of this. There won't even be a fight. The Democrats are doing this purposely. This is a man-made crisis. And anybody that stands up to this, they want to destroy, they want to character assassinate, even though they themselves have done this. They themselves have done this. Newsom with the girly figure. May I just say, I'm just just saying. Uh, We know that DiCamio did the same thing on a massive scale. And we know, of course, that Biden and the federal government have done it. Over 900 times. Nobody called them human traffickers. The Democrat Party as an institution is evil. It's always been evil. It's always been anti-American. Always. And it still is. It still is. That's why the most aggressive reprobates in the country all are Democrats. And that's why the Democrat Party reaches out to them. Black Lives Matter and groups like that. Years past, it, ought to re- it used to reach out to the Klan. Remember? Oh, Mark, that's so long ago. Actually, it's not. It was the 50s and 60s. But you see, DeSantis and Abbott, 
They're radical, reckless, regressive, and reprehensible, and they're human traffickers. So this schmuck wants to be the next Speaker of the House because Nancy Pelosi has so lowered the standard that any schmuck could be Speaker of the House. Then there's Raul Ruiz, Democrat, California. Cut nine, go. Well, I, I think it's very important to really draw a contrast here because we've seen that the Republican approach to the humanitarian crisis is to create a larger humanitarian crisis. Ah, there you go. First of all, there's only humanitarian crisis because your party, moron, and your moronic president have created it. They've created it. And you're participating in it. That's Raul Ruiz, everybody, from California on MSNBC, because he's a very important voice. Very important voice. But then there's Sarah Carter. She's a real reporter on Fox News yesterday, talking to Elizabeth Bostrom. Elizabeth Bostrom is a Martha's Vineyard resident. A real resident. Cut 10, go. Were you surprised at all when Governor Ron DeSantis decided, okay, you know what, guess what, I'm going to send 50 of the migrants uh, who volunteered to come to this, to come, to come to Boston, to come to Martha's Vineyard. Were you surprised when they arrived? No, I wasn't. And I actually, I really praise him for doing that because it wasn't a stunt. I know the media has been saying it's a stunt. But, um, you know, how do you get the attention of, of, of the administration? How do you get the attention of Harris, who's supposed to be in charge of this? That do you think she's been a good border czar? I don't, it's really a joke, and everyone knows it. Mm-hmm. You mean putting Kamala in charge of the border is a joke? Are you kidding? She was at Claflin University in South Carolina today. And when you listen to the profundity of what she had to say, shame on you for calling Kamala a joke. You must be a racist. Cut 13, go. So we invested an additional $12 billion into community banks because we know community banks are in the community and understand the needs and desires of that community as well as the talent and capacity of community. So... We invested in community banks because they're in communities and they know what the communities want and they know the desires of the community and the talent and the capacity of the community. So why wouldn't you put such a genius in charge of the southern border? Why wouldn't you? I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. In a world full of takers, Pure Talk wants to give you something. That's right. Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile, they're takers. They take too much of your money every month for way more data than you're ever going to need. Pure Talk, which is my cell company, gives you choices. Only pay for the data you need. That's how the average family saves over 75 bucks every single month. With Pure Talk, it's easy to find the right plan for you and your family. Unlimited talk, text, and choose from data plans from 2 gigs per month to unlimited with a mobile hotspot. All on America's most reliable 5G network. And here's an 
another something else Pure Talk is going to give you. This month, when you switch to Pure Talk, you pay for month one, and Pure Talk will give you month two for free. So do this. Just go to puretalk.com, choose your plan, then enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast. And check out and get your second month free. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code Levin Podcast to switch to my company, Pure Talk. Sonny Hostin has proven yet again while she is a dim-witted, low-IQ racist. Because, of course, she sees everything through the lens of racism. She and her family live in a multi-billion dollar mansion in New York, isn't it, Mr. Producer? You can Google it and see it yourselves. And so she's really a victim. She's put upon. I don't even know how she got on The View. Did she have some career before this? I don't know. A lawyer? A slip-and-fall ambulance chaser? Uh, But anyway, uh, oh, a prosecutor. Oh, wow. Now, you prosecutors out there are going to get very offended. But as I recall, the smartest lawyers who graduated from law school didn't become prosecutors or defense lawyers. They were kind of real lawyers in the private sector. Don't get upset with me. Many of you are the exception. But the ones we're dealing with now are not the exception. They were low in their class, I'm sure. Just my observations. You can accept them or reject them. Uh, Sonny Houston on The View. Cut 14, go. Nikki Haley's gone by Nikki since she was a child. It's mm-hmm. documented in high school. I wouldn't be shocked that as somebody, an Indian woman growing up in South Carolina at that time, she actually did to avoid prejudice. So I just want to be careful about critiquing yeah, her there, for going by Nikki. There, there are some of by. us that can be chameleons and decide not to embrace our ethnicity so that we can pass. Sonny, so I don't that think that's don't fair. You go by a different name. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't want to be the one to say because it. But most <laughs> Americans can't pronounce Asuncion because of the I would say what Alyssa's saying is that people gravitate to names for different reasons. No, I'm, I'm just going to kill this conversation. <laughs> and good for Whoopi Goldberg, whose real name at least was Karen Elaine Johnson. Changed to Whoopi Goldberg. Wow. And Sonny Huston's real name is Asun Siung. How'd I do, Mr. Uh, Mr. Call Screener? Asun Siang, Mr. Call Screener, is ancestry is Puerto Rican. Now she calls herself, rather than Asun Siang, Sunny. Sunny. More like dreary. And it was nice to see uh, Haynes and Farah, who both jumped up to try and defend uh, Nikki Haley. But Nikki Haley defended herself. Here's what she posted in response to the low IQ racist. Asun Siang Houston. And we'll call her that for now on Mr. Producer because we can pronounce her name. Nikki Haley posted, thanks for your concern, Sonny. It's racist of you to judge my name. Nikki is an Indian name and is on my birth certificate. And I'm proud of that. What's sad is the left's hypocrisy towards conservative minorities. By the way, last time I checked, Sonny is not your birth name. No, it's not. It's Asun Siang, Houston. Asun Siang. Asun Siang. What kind of name is that, Mr. Uh, Call Screener? 
Do we know? Spanish. It means what? It's a derivative of a-hole? Oh, ascension. Sorry. Well, there you go. She has it so tough. Asun Siyang. Everybody after me. Asun Siyang. Asun Siyang. She thinks you're too stupid to say her name, so she changed it to Sonny. And she thinks we're so stupid that we believe that. No, she was embarrassed by her name, so she changed it. That's why. Not that Americans can't pronounce it. It's that she didn't want Americans to pronounce it. And she changed it to Sonny. Why would she change it to Sonny? And it turns out we have a real Karen on The View. Karen Elaine Johnson. That used to be Whoopi Goldberg's name. So it is odd, isn't it? That Asun Siang Houston, a.k.a. Dreary Sunny Houston, would have actually changed her name from her birth name. And then you have a Karen who literally sits on... <laughs> Mr. Brady, this is too easy. It's really too easy. It's really grotesque. And again, I want to thank our networks there, ABC News, I believe it is, Disney, for having such an informative, profoundly intelligent program like The View. With five yentas, and they usually have a guest yenta on, too. I'll be right back. In a world full of takers, Pure Talk wants to give you something. That's right. Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile, they're takers. They take too much of your money every month for way more data than you're ever going to need. Pure Talk, which is my cell company, gives you choices. Only pay for the data you need. That's how the average family saves over 75 bucks every single month. With Pure Talk, it's easy to find the right plan for you and your family. Unlimited talk, text, and choose from data plans from 2 gigs per month to unlimited with a mobile hotspot. All on America's most reliable 5G network. And here's a another something else pure talk is going to give you this month when you switch to pure talk you pay for month one and pure talk will give you month two for free so do this just go to puretalk.com choose your plan then enter promo code levin podcast that's l-e-v-i-n podcast and check out and get your second month free go to puretalk.com enter promo code levin podcast to switch to my company pure talk the cost of freedom is high, but this phone call is not. Call Mark Levin toll-free at 877-381-3811. Asun Siang. Asun Siang. And Karen Elaine Johnson. So there's the view. They have a Karen. Her name has been changed to Whoopi Goldberg. And Asun Siang. That's her real name. She changed it to Sunny. Dreary Sunny. And Sunny's worried about Nikki Haley's name. Nikki is actually her name. It's an Indian name. It's on her certificate. This racism thing is hard, isn't it? Asun Siang. It's hard to get things straight when you're a bigot. Whoopi Goldberg, obviously, is Jewish. Having been Karen Elaine Johnson. I've never been invited on The View. Can you imagine what I could do to these women on The View? Do you imagine the debate, Mr. Producer? And of course they would resort to, oh, you're a misogynist. 
Oh, you're a racist. Oh, you're a oh, you're this, or oh, you're that. Really? Dimwitted. That's what they are. Dimwitted. Hillary Ford, which, remember that name, she's a CNN royal commentator and global business consultant. And she was con- uh, uh, confronted by Don Lemon. Don Lemon, is that his real name, Don Lemon? Donald? Lemon. Lemon. Is that his real name? I don't know. But Don Lemon, again, one of the denser of the TV types. I mean, can, folks, do you see how stupid these people are? Utterly and completely mindless. So we talked a little bit about what you're going to hear soon when we discuss slavery. You really want to discuss slavery? Let's really discuss slavery. Let's really, truly discuss slavery. Modern-day slavery and olden-day slavery. But they don't want to on the left and in the media. They really don't want to. Cut 17, go! And then you have those who are asking uh, for reparations for colonialism, and they're wondering, you know, $100 billion, $24 billion here and there, $500 million there. Some people want to be paid back, and, uh, and members of the public are wondering, why are we suffering when you are, you know, you have all of this vast wealth? Those are legitimate concerns. Well, I think you're right about reparations in terms of if people want it, though, what they need to do is you always need to go back to the beginning of a supply chain. Where was Stop. the beginning? of? Whoa. She's very clever. Remember I said if we want to pay reparations in this country, I'm all for it as long as the Democrat Party pays the reparations? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I think Asun Siang's party and Karen Elaine Johnson's, the Karen on The View and the Asun Siang on The View, they should be the ones paying the reparations, or at least their party should. Go ahead. That was in Africa, and when across the entire world, when the slavery was taking place, which was the first nation in the world that abolished sla- uh, slavery? The first nation in the world England. to abolish it. It was started by William Wilberforce, was the British. In, in Great Britain, they abolished slavery. 2,000 naval men died on the high seas trying to stop slavery. Why? Because the African kings were rounding up their own people. They had them on cages waiting in the beaches. No one was running into Africa <clears> to get them. And I think you're totally right. If reparations need to be paid, we need to go right back to the beginning of that supply chain and say who was rounding up their own people and having them handcuffed in cages. Absolutely. That's where they should start. And maybe, I don't know, the descendants of those families where they died at the, in the high seas trying to stop the slavery, that those families should receive something too, I think, at the same time. Wow. I don't think... Donnie ever heard such language, such an understanding of history? He's moved to the morning. Did he say that in the morning, Mr. Producer? So he'll be stupid in the morning and at night. It doesn't really matter. Do you understand what she said, America? The colonialists, says Donnie. There were tribes and there were empires in Africa. This has been written about by scholars left and right for decades. And they would conquer each other. They would fight each other, which is what takes place and has taken place for thousands of years. And they would take the conquered peoples as slaves. 
women as concubines. And sometimes they would sell the slaves to other tribes. Sometimes they would try and sell the slaves to Europe. Now, she shouldn't wash her hands completely of the British because America was having a problem when the importation of slaves was ended under our Constitution with a specific date provided the British kept sending them to America. And so while they outlawed slavery in Britain... They still wanted to make a profit off it. But let there be no mistake. Slavery didn't begin in America. It began in Africa. And I might add the Middle East. And it's still going on in at least seven countries in Africa and in the Middle East. And that's what she's talking about. And I'm sure Karen Elaine Johnson, a.k.a. Whoopi Goldberg, the Karen on The View, and Asun Siyang, Asun Siyang, Sonny Hostin, I'm sure she'll get into this too. And of course, the dimmest of the dimwitters, Joe Scarborough, and Mika, if that is her name. I'm sure they're going to want to cover that too. Very thoroughly, no question in my mind. But this Brit is correct. And you notice how clever she was. wonder if she listens to the Mark Levin radio show. I've been saying I support reparations. And that the Democrat Party should pay them. Why should every American pay them? First of all, awful lot of Americans weren't here during slavery. Their ancestors weren't. Mine weren't. Secondly, the Republican Party fought a war the Union, against slavery. The Democrat Party fought for slavery. The Democrat Party rejected Reconstruction. The Democrat Party supported segregation. The Democrat Party was linked to the Klan. Multiple presidents were linked to the Klan. (gasps) Yes, they were! I'm sorry, they were! Those were Democrat governors who stood in the schoolhouse doors. Not Republicans. But they'd be Republicans to... Pay attention, I'm educating you. So the Democrat Party. Tell me, again, as I asked last night, how does the Democrat Party survive the Taliban-like activity that took place in 2020 with monuments coming down and history books being burned and all the rest of it? How does the Democrat Party survive that? Everything associated with the Confederacy is down except the main, the main power behind the Confederacy, the Democrat Party. It's amazing. Jefferson Davis was a Democrat. His generals were Democrats. Later on, Bull Connor was a Democrat. Orville Faubus was a Democrat. George Wallace was a Democrat. But Mark, there were people who opposed them too. Yeah, I know. In the Democrat Party. True. But that doesn't clean up the history of the Democrat Party. That doesn't change anything. Name one Republican governor who stood in the schoolhouse door to to block little black kids from going to school with little white kids. Name one. There isn't any. There aren't any. Name one Republican governor who supported poll taxes and literacy tests. There wasn't one. There wasn't one. 
Oh, my. I guess he's right. I don't care how many phony professors, phony scholars, phony experts they put forward with their phony books and their phony essays trying to create diversions and static and confusion about who's who. About who's who. It's about damn time if we're going to change the name of military forts and schools that we change the name of the Democrat Party. Change the name of the Democrat Party to represent what it represents today. Change the name. I've got one. The Kill America Party. There you go. Fits perfectly. Fits perfectly. I mean, we just told you about a poll in the first hour, right? Where majority Democrats don't think America is the greatest country. Great. Great. What is the greatest country? That would have been a great follow-up question. I'll bet a good percentage of them would say Cuba or Canada. Canada. Canada, fantastic. Now, Canada is a police state where it's stupid young prime minister who many think may be the bastard son of a, a son of a Castro, by the way. I don't say that. Others say that. I would never say that. There he is over in Britain, getting drunk like a skunk in a British pub, singing off key. Sure, they're very proud of him. Now, didn't they have this Prime Minister of Finland, Mr. Producer, dancing and singing at some party, and it created quite a ruckus? At least she knew how to dance and sing. This guy, this, this, this Trudeau, looked like just your old average drunk in my humble opinion I'll be right back Lovin. in a world full of takers Pure Talk wants to give you something that's right Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile they're takers They take too much of your money every month for way more data than you're ever going to need. Pure Talk, which is my cell company, gives you choices. Only pay for the data you need. That's how the average family saves over 75 bucks every single month. With Pure Talk, it's easy to find the right plan for you and your family. Unlimited talk, text, and choose from data plans from 2 gigs per month to unlimited with a mobile hotspot. All on America's most reliable 5G network. And here's a another something else pure talk is going to give you this month when you switch to pure talk you pay for month one and pure talk will give you month two for free so do this just go to puretalk.com choose your plan then enter promo code levin podcast that's l-e-v-i-n podcast and check out and get your second month free go to puretalk.com enter promo code levin podcast to switch to my company pure talk I didn't see this in the front page of the New York Slimes or the Washington Compost. I'm sure it's not being covered by the Constipated News Network or MSLSD. I'm sure the morning schmo and Mrs. Schmo and all the other schmoes on MSLSD will be attentive to this. Town Hall, deranged North Dakota man kills teenager over political views. Joe Biden said MAGA Republicans were a threat to our nation. 
These freedom-loving patriots who only want a government that works for them, better trade deals, more jobs, fewer taxes, are a clear and present danger that must be crushed. And yet we're not the ones killing people over political disputes. That would be Democrats, writes Matt Vespa at Town Hall. The left used the January 6th riot to smear Trump supporters as violent insurrectionists. Still, only one person was killed inside the Capitol building, Ashley Babbitt, whose officer-involved death continues to plague with lingering questions. Those inquiries will remain, but one act of political violence will probably go under the radar due to its location. But that doesn't make it less relevant given the war cry bellowed by Mr. Biden. In McHenry, North Dakota, a 41-year-old man allegedly round down an 18-year-old teenager over a political dispute, killing him. He was reportedly drunk at the time of the attack, and to make things more bizarre, the alleged perpetrator called the police on himself and admitted to killing the North Dakota teenager. He's being held on $50,000 bail since he claimed he wasn't a flight risk, as if that means anything, in a potential homicide investigation. The victim reportedly called his mother before his death, asking for help because he was being chased down. Can you imagine this? The Grand Forks Herald reports it this way. Prosecutors allege moments before he was killed, 18-year-old Kaylor Ellingson called his mom to come rescue him because 41-year-old Shannon Brandt was chasing him in the city of McHenry where the street dance had just wrapped up. By the time she could get there, her son was dead. Brandt was officially charged Monday with, vehic- with, with vehicular homicide, leaving the scene of a deadly accident. Court papers show Brandt called 911 at around 2.30 a.m. Sunday and told the dispatcher that he just hit Ellingson, claiming the teen was part of a Republican extremist group and was calling people to come get Brandt after a political argument. Ellingson's mom told police her son called her just before the crash, asking if she knew Brandt, which she does. But she doesn't believe her son knew him. We're still trying to determine what exactly transpired at the time of the crash and prior to that as well, explained Nywind of the police department. Police say Brandt was drunk when he hit and killed Ellison with his SUV. We don't know of any witnesses. We're still making attempts to interview potential witnesses from the street dance. People that were present prior to the crash happening. The guy couldn't handle a political argument. So he allegedly killed the young man. Killed him. Ran him down and ran him over. He was calling his mother for help before he was run over and murdered. Now what should happen is people should go to Joe Biden and say, you know your rhetoric? Your rhetoric can affect deranged people. Are you concerned about your rhetoric? You know, you talk about Donald Trump's language. Donald Trump never gave a speech like you did. How about Liz Cheney and her language? How about Hakeem Jeffries in his language? The Democrat Party takes responsibility for nothing. Nothing. 
the shooting of Scalise, a Bernie Sanders supporter. Obviously, this isn't to say that these political individuals were driving the cars or pulling the triggers. That's not my point. My point is, as in everything else, there's two standards here, isn't there? Two disgusting, shameless standards. This young man was killed because he was a conservative and got in debate with this 41-year-old who was drunk. And that 41-year-old got into his SUV, hunted down this kid, and killed him. And I want to know if that's going to be reported in any significant way. Obviously, if the shoe were on the other foot, you'd never hear the end of it. Liz Cheney would be on CNN and MSNBC with Adam Kingsinger. The January 6th committee would be talked about on PBS again. We're talking here. We're talking here about a young man who lost his life because of a deranged 41-year-old who disagreed with him and thought he was an extremist Republican. I'll be right back. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Having peace of mind and staying on budget feels pretty good. But if there's one thing you can expect this year, it's the unexpected. But if you're a member of American Home Shield, you know your budget, your time, and let's be honest, your sanity are covered. American Home Shield offers three great plans that help cover the cost to repair or replace parts of major home systems and appliances. No matter their age, just choose yours. I've been blindsided by expensive repairs. It's a huge hassle, a waste of time and money. But American Home Shield is the answer. Keep your home up and running and budget on track with American Home Shield. And right now, my listeners can take $50 off their most comprehensive plans ever. All right, here's what you do. Go to ahs.com slash Levin, and you'll save $50. That's a hs.com slash Levin, L-E-V-I-N. Get $50 off any plan. Service fees, limitations, and exclusions apply. See plan for details. That's American Home Shield. Be sure with the shield. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Hello, Asuncion. Hello, Karen. 
our two favorites at The View, among the other Yentas. I am Mark Levin. Our number is 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Over at the College Fix, another great site, collegefix.com. Supreme Court was founded to defend white supremacy, should be abolished as a race scholar. How do you become a race scholar? Supreme Court cannot protect the civil rights of citizens because it was, quote, founded to defend white supremacy, unquote. A professor of Africana studies wrote on Tuesday, Professor Claudia Garcia Rojas, in an essay titled, The Supreme Court Won't Save Us, It Was Founded to Defend White Supremacy, argues that President Donald Trump's, quote, stacking of the court with far-right justices as a strategic move meant to defend white Christian nationalism, unquote. Oh, yeah. That's why all those great decisions for faith and religion in the last half a century. Instead of packing the court, citizens should be asking, what steps can we be taking toward abolishing it, she wrote. So these are what we have, these professors. And you wonder why 70% of young people don't think America's great. Because 100% of these nut jobs are brainwashing them. After winning an election with a majority of electoral votes, President Trump, you see, and, uh, and the Republican Party undemocratically, she says, appointed two Supreme Court justices. But if the appointments of Gorsuch and Kavanaugh were undemocratic but legitimate, Barrett's selection was not, according to the Davidson College professor. The former president unfairly and illegitimately appointed a third, the race scholar wrote in her Truth Out essay, Garcia Rajas wrote that the nation's highest court, quote, has generally operated to enshrine whiteness as the normative baseline in constitutional law and to strengthen this baseline for consistently favoring and reinforcing the superior status of whites in the U.S. Now, let's stop there a second. I want to ask you a question that you probably don't pose to yourself. Unless you talk to yourself, which I do from time to time. Get in arguments with myself? Not really. Anyway. Question. Who do you think she voted for in the last election? Do you think she's a Democrat or Republican? You see my point? She's obviously a Democrat and she votes Democrat. I guarantee you she voted for Biden. Now, with this white supremacy is combined with Christianity, Garcia Rajas wrote. What's more, she said, the conservative hijacking of the court by religious fundamentalists means constitutional laws being reshaped through the lens of Christian dominionism. They invent these new words. White Christian dominionists believe that the U.S. is a fundamentally Christian nation and therefore that they have the authority to enact religious supremacy. So it's white supremacy, Christian supremacy, hence Christian fundamentalist nationalist Christianity. My God. One example of this, the professor wrote, is a speech by Justice Samuel Alito calling for protections for religious liberty. The professor wrote, religious liberty is not what is being criticized here, but rather the euphemistic use of the phrase to mean white Christian dominionism. Perilously, she wrote, the Republican Party's desire to strengthen the white supremacist ideology through religious fundamentalism is succeeding insofar as the court's most recent rulings, Dobbs and Vega, are restructuring constitutional doctrine to reflect the interests of white Christian nationalists. 
Dobbs written by Alito allowed for states to regulate abortion, reversing Roe v. Wade. NISPRA refers to a ruling written by black conservative justice Clarence Thomas, they say. This summer they decided a New York law requiring law-abiding citizens to prove a need to own a gun unconstitutional. So she doesn't like the First or the Second Amendment. Except when it applies to her, she wants free speech. The Vega ruling, also by Alito, ruled that a violation of Miranda does not constitute a violation of the Fifth Amendment right against compelled self-discrimination. The professor also referred to the Supreme Court as a national defense agency. The focus of a pending journal article, according to her personal website. So how do we get rid of the Supreme Court? Says the expert, the professor of racial studies. How do we get get rid of the Supreme Court? Because, quote, the Supreme Court won't save us. It was founded to defend white supremacy. No, that's why the Democrat Party was defended. Or created, I should say, established. It's amazing. In the meantime, to show you how it's not just Christians, but the Judeo-Christian belief system, how this court just falls into line with the Marxists. Blaze Media, Joseph McKinnon, Yeshiva University, this is a Jewish university, ends all student groups after court orders it to recognize gay activist student group. So what happened was Yeshiva University was founded to promote traditional Jewish teachings. Now people go to Yeshiva now who are not necessarily Orthodox Jews, People go to yeshiva now who are gay, who are transgender. But yeshiva doesn't promote those ideologies. And it doesn't discriminate against these individuals either. They're free to attend the school, which is pretty remarkable in some respects. But some of these students, the gay activist group, decided they wanted to form a club. So they formed it informally. And the student council approved the group and supported its recognition and its funding as a group. The college has been in existence for 136 years. It's been committed to its religious identity. Explained that the conference of official status to the group would be inconsistent with the school's Torah values and religious environment it seeks to maintain. So, of course, they sued and in state court, the students won. Because most of the state courts in New York, I say this sadly, are crap in and around New York City. They're crap. They're ideologues dressed up in black robes. So Yeshiva goes to the United States Supreme Court, seeks an emergency order to prevent this. Justice Sotomayor is the justice who handles these kinds of emergency appeals for the court, and she stayed the state's decision down below so other justices could take a look at it. And so only four justices said we ought to take this case up now 
because it's clearly a First Amendment religious liberty case under the Constitution. There's nothing clear. This is a historically and traditionally Jewish university that promotes its Torah values, and it is free not to recognize or embrace this club. It's not discriminating against individuals, but it's free not to give an affirmative recognition to this club. Only four Supreme Court justices, led by Sam Alito, said that's ridiculous. And Sotomayor, speaking for the others, said, let them go through the state processes and then they can come back here if they choose to. But Alito said, state processes, we know how that's going to turn out. This is a clear federal First Amendment liberty, religious liberty, constitutional issues. Why go through the state process? In essence, there really isn't a state process. It's right there under our First Amendment. We're not here to interpret New York law or New York's constitution. Sotomayor wrote for the majority. That means she was joined by, among others, Hollywood Chief Justice John Roberts and Kavanaugh. And Kavanaugh. They were both silent. If just one of them had joined the other four, Alito, Thomas, Gorsuch, and Barrett, it would have been stayed the decision and the court could have taken it up. But it's clear that John Roberts, and in this case, in my view, Kavanaugh now have cold feet, and they don't want to be seen as activists. Activists? As Sam Alito said, he, Alito's brilliant. He said, we have to do the right thing, regardless of the criticism we receive. We have to do the right thing. We have to embrace the principles of the Constitution. But they didn't. He did and three others. But they didn't. So Yeshiva University abolished all of the student clubs because that's the reaction. That is the only reaction Yeshiva University could have taken because they're being accused of discrimination. So they said, okay, we're not discriminating. No more clubs. And this is how this works. Finally, before we take a break, There's a representative in New York City by the name of Richie Torres, obviously a Democrat, obviously very liberal. But he's not your typical liberal Democrat in New York City. He's a young man, Richie Torres. And it's my understanding he took a trip to Israel once, not very long ago. And he traveled the country. And he was very much taken by the history and the religious history of Israel. Very much. As you know, and I pointed out here, there have been a huge number of brutal assaults on Orthodox Jews, particularly in Brooklyn, New York. The perpetrators are mostly African Americans and individuals from the Middle East. That's just what the way it is. Richie Torres is an African-American, 
He is a liberal Democrat. And he also sees what has taken place. And this young man has guts. And he sent a letter to the Civil Rights Division of the Department of Injustice, as reported by JNS News. New York Representative Richie Torres, Democrat in New York, sent a letter on Friday to the U.S. Department of Justice asking it to investigate what he called New York City's failure to prosecute anti-Semitic hate crimes. He's not Jewish. I'm respectfully asking the Civil Rights Division of the Justice Department to consider investigating New York's systematic failure to police and prosecute hate crimes and to issue recommendations for reform, he wrote to Merrick Garland. The federal government can no longer stand by passively as anti-Semitic violence goes unchecked and unpunished in America's largest city. In his letter, the, in, in his letter, the Bronx native addressed the rising number of anti-Semitic hate crimes in New York City, saying, just as alarming as the violence itself has been the government's deafening inaction. The letter referenced a report highlighting that 118 individuals have been arrested for anti-Semitic hate crimes in New York City since 2018, but only one perpetrator has been convicted in a prison. All right, I was wrong. One. One. Where's the Attorney General? Where's the Civil Rights Division? Where's the New York Times and the Washington Post? Why aren't they jumping up and down with anger about this? We know why. We know exactly why. And so does Richie Torres. So I want to salute Richie Torres from the Mark Levin Show. He's got guts to be in that party and to be in that city and to write that letter. And he deserves all the credit in the world. Mark Levin. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Here's Representative Rashida Tlaib on the Al Jazeera Network on Friday, ladies and gentlemen. Cut 16, go! It's up to the Israelis and the Palestinians to decide what their fate and determination is. And they are more moving towards a one state than, you know, supporting that. But I, I knew the two-state solution uh, in, the, in the strong stance that they had. Uh, it just didn't match. But they very much, I still work with them. They, have, they agree that I have a unique lens and perspective on um, what's happening in Palestine. We have a good working relationship, but they know... Um, I, am, I, I don't believe there's a pathway. I mean, somebody can show me how, uh, but I don't think there's a pathway for two-state with uh, the apartheid system that is happening in Israel right now. So there you have an anti-Semite, a Jew-hater of long standing. She'll keep getting reelected from uh, the city of Detroit. And not a word from anybody but me. Not a word about the Democrat Party's anti-Semitism problem. 
she's not alone. It's a growing, growing part of the Democrat Party. Even the leading Jews in the Democrat Party won't speak up. No, they don't want to offend. They don't want to offend. Not Rashida. Lovely Rashida. I mean, even Joe Biden praised lovely Rashida on the tarmac that time. Remember that, Mr. Producer? He loved her. Do I owe you something, Rich? I don't think so. So Rashida Tlaib has become a prominent voice in the Democrat Party. She's not being condemned by the media for her constant anti-Semitic comments. Fake Tapper, where is he? Where is he? D. Lemon? Where is uh, Asun Siang and Karen Elaine Johnson, a.k.a. Whoopi? And where are the networks? Where's anybody, for God's sakes? I'll be right back. Mark Levin, radio's principal patriot. Call in now at 877-381-3811. I want to take calls, but I've got a few more matters I really feel I need to talk to you about before I do. FBI whistleblower alleges January 6 cases manipulated to create illusion of national crisis. From just the news, the top Republican on the House Judiciary Committee, our buddy Jim Jordan, said Monday a whistleblower has come forward detailing how the FBI is manipulating this FBI, manipulating cases related to the January 6th Capitol riot to create an illusion that domestic violent extremism is a widespread problem in the United States. Representative Jim Jordan sent a letter to FBI Director Christopher Wray that, quote, the manipulative case file practice, unquote, was being conducted by the Bureau's Washington field office, which was instructing local FBI offices to open up cases on their books that were, in fact, simply related to the Capitol breach. The FBI's case categorization creates the illusion that threats from DVE, domestic violence, are present in jurisdictions across the nation when in reality they all stem from the same related investigation concerning the actions at the Capitol on January 6th. Such an artificial case categorization scheme allows FBI leadership to misleadingly point to significant increases in domestic violence extremism threats or EVE nationwide. Oh, my God. And why? So they can attack your civil liberties. Don't you remember when there was an ACLU in this country and groups like that that would defend people and fight the government on this? Not anymore, ladies and gentlemen. Simply not anymore. It's not going to happen. And I wanted to get to this as well. Wall Street Journal today. Food supply stays tight as disappointing U.S. harvest adds to global challenges. This is something I've been warning you about. Patrick Thomas, a lackluster U.S. harvest this year. Totally predictable. Is setting back efforts to relieve a global food supply that has been constrained by Russia's war in Ukraine. Agriculture industry execs say. Senior executives from the companies such as Bear AG, 
Cartiva Inc., Archer Daniels Midland Company, and Bunge LTD said worldwide crop supplies remain tight, and some said at least two more years of good harvest in North and South America are needed to ease the pressure. Persistent drought conditions in the U.S. and agricultural countries in South America, along with uncertainty over crop production in Ukraine, are making that harder, they said. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, I get so sick and tired of the lies that you have to face and that I have to deal with. There's 20% less crop, I don't know how you call it, seed planting, crop planting, as a result of the lack of the, what's necessary to grow them. That's the problem. The war on oil. You need fertilizer. There's less fertilizer, and it's very expensive. We're choking ourselves. They can talk about droughts all they want. There have been droughts in this country before and droughts in other places. It's not about droughts. We need two years of bumper crops, they say, to relieve pressure from the droughts. Well, how's that going to happen? How's that going to happen? How's electricity going to grow us more food, ladies and gentlemen? It's not. Now, I don't know what other evidence we need. This is a Wall Street Journal piece. In my view, they're distorting the reason for this. But that said, it's happening. And it's happening right now. There are going to be shortages of food. The food supply is under stress. But there are going to be shortages of food right here in the United States of America. Right here. Now, you guys out there, you need to tell your friends who are Democrats who are going to vote Democrat because of this, that, or the other thing. That they're voting for their own demise. They're voting for their own impoverishment. They're voting for their own bankruptcy. They're voting for their own hunger. They're voting for their own increase in violence. They're voting for a war on the Constitution and the war on citizenry. The Democrat Party is radical. It is way out there now. It's way out there. It's not the party that was 20 years ago or anything like that. It is a radical, hard-left party influenced by anti-Semites, racists, and Marxists. You heard me right. Hello, I said it. That's right. Because it's true. That's exactly what's going on. Meanwhile, you have fools like Liz Cheney giving speeches, attacking, attacking us, attacking you and me. Really appalling. Attacking the January 6th event. That's the problem, you see. January 6th. Right. That's the problem. Now, there are bigger problems, and they're happening right now. Let's see here, Mr. Producer. Let's take some calls. Since I don't have the call screen up, can you give me some calls, please? Yes. Pasadena, Maryland, the great WMAL. I believe your name is Al. Is that correct? That is correct, Mr. Levin. And how are you, sir? I'm all right. How are you, my friend? I'm fine. I am a 76-year-old, unhyphenated American. Mm-hmm. Vietnam veteran. 
Thank you. I was born and raised in the shadow of Fort McHenry, and to this very day, every time I go down there and they part those curtains and play the national anthem, I break into tears. Mm-hmm. Mr. Levin, four years ago, I tried to reach out to every national conservative voice because mm-hmm. there needs to be conservative unification, continuity of messaging, or otherwise what you and I and many other people understand and believe are the values inherent in this little republic. I have gotten to the point now, sir, where I uh, feel like I am a voice in the wilderness. I have reached out in every avenue and every mode. Well, let me say two things, because I'm going to run out of time, this segment due to a heartbreak. We can't all sing as a choir. We have different lives. We have different responsibilities. We have different takes on different issues. But it's clear that there's conservative talk radio. And the overall message is the same, even though individuals may disagree here and there. That's number one. I don't think anyone misses that fact. And uh, and number two, you're not alone. There are tens of millions of us. But you're meant to feel alone because you watch TV. You see what's going on around you. You see what's going on in your community. But there are tens of millions of us who say no to this. And the vast majority are registered Republican. Many are independent. Some are Democrats. And the vast majority who hate the country, according to this recent survey, vote Democrat. So I wouldn't say you're alone and you shouldn't feel alone. But I would encourage you, rather than trying to contact hosts and telling hosts they should say the same thing, which means they wouldn't have an audience anyway, I think you should try and figure out at the local level what it is you can do to turn out conservative and Republican voters this election. I think that would be a very, very important thing. So you don't feel alone. So you're volunteering with people who are of the same mindset and who care about the same thing or even work at a precinct. If your precinct is overwhelmingly Democrat, 98 percent or something, then work at another precinct. There are many, many things that each of us can do, all of us can do, just like the parents did in the last election. We're going to need everybody. We're not going to have time for complainers and whiners. We're going to need everybody to think about how they can contribute, whether they're parents, parents, taxpayers, taxpayers who are parents, whether they're great men like you, veterans, whether they're whomever you are, whatever you do and your role in your life, you can influence 10 votes or 20 votes. It's going to make a difference. So uh, it's not going to be good enough, not here, to say I tried this and that. There are things you can do leading up to, but especially on Election Day, that can make a difference. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. I wanted to get to this from Just the News. Federal Appeals Court, hello, reverses ruling on January 6th subpoena to the RNC and dismisses the case. And these appellate judges went out of their way to acknowledge the Republican National Committee appeal raised important issues and also took a dig at Democrats for vacillating. Federal Appeals Court has reversed a lower court ruling ordering the RNC to comply with a subpoena, with a subpoena from the House January 6th Committee poking the Democrat-led investigation for vacillating on key issues and acknowledging that there were important unsettled constitutional questions about whether the panel is lawfully 
constituted. The U.S. Circuit Court for Appeals in the District of Columbia said it was dismissing the case because the January 6th committee withdrew the subpoena to the RNC seeking records of its dealings with a digital fundraising vendor, Salesforce. The RNC's appeal has become moot, the appeals court ruled, in dismissing the case. Ordinarily, when a dispute is withdrawn, a federal appeals court issues a very brief order of dismissal. But the appellate judges went out of their way to acknowledge the RNC's concerns about the subpoena, raising important issues and that the lower court's ruling needed to be reversed. The RNC claimed that disclosure of these documents would reveal sensitive information about its digital strategy. So it sued to prevent the disclosure, wrote the appellate court judges. The RNC argued that the committee was not lawfully constituted and the subpoena violated the First Amendment. They also said because the committee caused the mootness and thereby deprived us of the ability to review the district court's decision. And given the important and unsettled constitutional questions that the appeal would have presented, we vacate the district court's judgment. What this court is saying, we may well have ruled on the unconstitutional activities of this committee, given how it was created. You got that? The court also took the issue, took issue with the House Democrat Committee for playing essentially a game of hurry up and then wait. Said the committee has taken various positions on whether and when it needs the subpoenaed RNC documents, the judges noted, citing a history of urgent requests followed by delay and then eventually their own withdrawal of the subpoena. But the key paragraph is the earlier one. The RNC claimed that disclosure of these documents would reveal sensitive information about its digital strategy, so it sued to prevent disclosure, wrote the judges. The RNC argued that the committee was not lawfully constituted and the subpoena violated the First Amendment because the committee caused the mootness and thereby deprived us of the ability to review the district court's decision. And given the important and unsettled constitutional questions that the appeal would have presented, we vacate the district court's judgment. It didn't even have to vacate the district court's judgment. You see what I'm saying, Mr. Producer? It went out of its way to smack down the district court and to state the issues raised by the RNC were substantive and real. Now, why is that important? Because many litigants have raised these issues about this committee. And these lower court judges, many of whom have been appointed by Obama or Biden or Clinton, but some of whom have been appointed by Trump. They're rogue. They're rogue. Either that or they're way over their heads. These are perfectly legitimate, substantive, even constitutional issues that are being raised by these litigants. And perhaps, and I hope, will be raised by Bannon and Navarro. And will be raised by everybody else because they really have already raised them. Navarro has, and Bannon's lawyer has. But these lower courts just blow them out. Because the prosecutors come in and say, hey, they're they're just trying to get around and delay. We're in a hurry. We got to get this done. And the circuit court's even saying, what the hell's the hurry? What is the hurry? District court judges in Washington, D.C., what is your hurry? I'm waiting for Bill Barr to comment on this, Mr. Producer. 
or the legal analysts. Maybe they'll write these long, drawn-up pieces and remind us of why these judges are correct and that fundamentally what this committee is doing is unconstitutional. (gasps) That's correct. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute the armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel, our busser friends. We salute the men and women in Ukraine, the men and women in Taiwan, and most of all, I salute you, you great patriots and you Levinites. Thank you for listening. See you soon.